by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. You've heard my story. I didn't get born again, saved. I didn't come to Christ to, to give my life to Him until I was 32 years old. So I lived a lot of life before them. I don't know if it was life. It was I lived a lot of days before him. <laughs> I don't know if you'd call it life, but I grew up on the mean streets of Memphis, Tennessee. I grew up in a, in a crazy neighborhood with crazy friends. They were rough on the edges, and they were rough on the inside. <laughs> but you know what? So was I. I was right in there with them. We were always doing things we shouldn't be doing. One of the things that all my friends did I don't remember a friend that I had during junior high or high school that wasn't smoking the wacky weed. You know what I'm talking about? Is, is that a dangerous conversation here in the church, or can we handle it? I think you know what I'm talking about. They, and a lot of them were doing worse than that. It was just the, the area, the, the climate. That was just what they, we did. I say we loosely because my mama taught me two things growing up. She asked me to never get a girl in the way before I got married. She stressed that, and I was able to check that box off. I didn't. But another thing that she was so adamant about is drugs are terrible. They will ruin your life. You'll get addicted. It'll, it'll mess your life up, and I'm sure somebody out here would, you know, don't do it, but raise your hand and say yes. <laughs> and so she scared me about drugs. And so, although all my friends smoked the wacky weed, and I was hanging out with them all the time, they would pass the joint around, it would get to me, and I would just pass it on by. And they, oh yeah, they would make fun of me. They would say, oh, you don't, you're scared of this. They, they said that stuff at first, and I said, no, I just, I don't do the wacky weed. I don't smoke dope. And they made fun of me for a little while, but then they just got used to it. Is it hard saying no? Is peer pressure real? Yes. But you know what? My point is, is you can say no to the things that you don't want in your life. After a while, they just got used to it. I think a lot of them secretly admired my ability to say no. I remember one time we was riding in a car, and I was kind of stuck in the back seat of a two two-door car and me and my friend and two friends up front and they were smoking the wacky weed usually they'd roll down the windows and let the smoke go out but they get the giggling you know they had the munchies and they was all giddy and stuff and they was all high and, and they says let's get guy high he don't smoke dope let's get it let's get him a contact high so they rolled the windows up and started blowing smoke in my face And you know what? I'll tell you later. <laughs> I'll finish this story before we leave. But let's go on and get into the Word of God. But my point is, is you can say no if you want to. You can say no to things that you know are not good for your life. And I make this point 
because today we're going to talk about being offended. You can say no to being offended. That is a choice. Guess what? Offenses will come. Every opportunity in the world, they're going to pass you the offense. It's your job to pass it on and say, no, I don't receive offense. You're saying, Pastor, are you preaching about offense again? I know, right? Y'all stop making me preach about offense. How about? <laughs> I thought we would have learned after the fourth or fifth sermon that I preached on offense. No. Anyway, Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger. Do you have good sense? Or do you just fly off the handle and get mad about everything real quick? And it goes on to say, And it, it is his glory to overlook an offense, to let it slide on by. Now, we live in a generation that seems to be perpetually offended. They specialize in being offended. They take offense, they choose an offense, <laughs> and then they make it their cause. They encourage it, they celebrate it, and then they use it as an excuse. Oh. Well, I could, I could have been this if it wasn't for this guy holding me down. Or wasn't for the government. Wasn't for this. Wasn't for that. They're offended at everybody. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be flagged in heaven as didn't play well with others. You want that to be written next to your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? One of the things that God is really, really serious about is the great commission and the great commandment to love him and to love each other. It's funny, though. Adults can act just like the children back in the nursery. He touched me. <laughs> they got my toy. They're being mean to me. You know it's true. I was here first. If you've ever worked retail, you know what I'm talking about. People can be, uh, grown folk can act like children in the nursery. And guess what is the, the official nerve center of offense in, in all of the universe? Social media. Oh, my goodness. This is where people go to lament, to explain their offense, to create offense, to revel in their offenses, and to offer lots of offense from a distance. And I got two words for you today, and it's the title of today's message. Scroll on. Say, scroll on. I want to do an experiment today, all right? Y'all with me? When I say the words, scroll on, during this sermon, I want you to repeat back, scroll on. That'll just keep you awake, all right? Won't anybody fall asleep on me today? I looked up the word offended in the Greek. 
how it's written in the Bible in the Greek. And it's the word scandalizo. Does that sound like a word that you've used before? Like scandalized? Scandal? And what it means is to entrap, to trip up and entice to sin. Did you know when you're reading that word and Jesus is talking about don't be offended, that he's saying don't enter into the trap. Don't be enticed to sin. Offense, being offended is the, the bait, so to speak. It goes on to say, scandalizo is referred to as the bait in the trap. That's going to entice you to sin. Boy, you let that offense get in your heart. You done trapped yourself. I know you've heard me tell the story and heard somebody else tell the story about how they catch monkeys in, in the uh, jungle. They'll, they'll make a little box and they'll like nail it to a tree and they'll put a bait in there like a banana or something. And then they'll make a little bitty hole that's just little enough for the monkey to get his hand in there like that to get the banana. But once he grabs the banana, he makes a fist and he can't get it back out. And offense is the bait in that trap. And what's the bad thing about it is we get offended and we won't let go. We're trapped there until the hunter comes by and whops him on the head with a stick and eats monkey brains for supper. How many times you've been whopped on the head and you're still holding on to some offense that has entrapped you? It's bait. It's the devil's bait in your life. You're offended. It's not a good look on the church. Say, scroll on. We had some, had a mouse or something in the house one time and I went to the store to see if I could buy some kind of something to get it. And, uh, Found some sticky paper. You ever seen that stuff? It's like a, it's called a sticky trap. It's just a little piece of paper with sticky stuff on it. I put it out. And next day, I heard some racket in the, the closet. Opened it up. There was a little baby mouse stuck on the sticky paper. And I picked it up and looked at him. He's so cute. I'm like, I can't kill this thing. What am I going to do, throw it in the garbage and watch him suffer and die from starvation or something? That would be inhumane. That's, who, invited, who invented these sticky traps? So I felt terrible. And I was going to let him go, and I was trying to pry his little feet up, but they were stuck, and they wouldn't come loose. And it was either I was going to have to rip his legs off to get him off. So what do you do? I was thinking about whopping him in the head with a pan or something and putting him out of his misery. What have I gotten into? So I got some scissors and I cut around his little, around his little feet and I threw, threw him in the, the forest back behind our house there and let him go. He's walking around with some new shoes, you know. <laughs> And I just know he's sitting, he's praying for whatever animals eat little mice out there because he can't go nowhere with these big cardboard shoes. And that's you. 
You're out there in this big old world with the devil just waiting to pounce on you, and you're walking around with cardboard shoes because you took the bait. Don't take the bait of offense. Say, scroll on. Don't grab hold of offense. Let go. It's possible. It's not usual because as human beings, we're used to being offended. Anytime somebody says, well, huh, we get an attitude. How dare they? They sat in my seat. <laughs> I'm going to a different church. <laughs> it's easy to get offended in it. We take the bait all the time. But Brother Tom gave me some good advice one time. I said, Tom, why are you always so happy? He's, I've never seen Tom in a bad mood. He says, well, I choose joy. I said, don't you get mad about stuff? He said, I refuse to be offended. I said, what do you mean you refuse? He, I said, I just don't do it. I said, I, I know I've done a lot of things that would offend you. He said, I didn't get offended. I refused to take hold of it. I let it go. I don't take offense. It's, it's possible to change the way you see the stuff that comes at you. You don't have to hold on to all the nasty stuff walking around like people been throwing nasty stuff at you and you just let it fester all over you. You become nasty. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, it says the Bible even knows that some people ain't going to get along with you. He says, as, as much as is possible, as your part, try not to offend. But you know what? Even the gospel is offensive to the unbeliever. Your lifestyle as a Christian, if you were to be nice to them, they would be offended by that. If you love them, <laughs> who do they think they are? Treating me nice. Because you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, that is offensive. He said, if, I, if they're offended by me, they'll be offended by you. So there's only so much you can do but how about while you preach the love of uh, the truth to them, you, you sh share a little love of God with it. Don't purposely be offensive. Don't deal in the trade of offense. Am I making sense so far? If I'm making sense so far, say scroll on. Get off that page. Move on. Put it behind you. Proverbs 18, 19 says an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Imagine a gate locked with bars. It's separating you from the person that's offended by you or the person you're offended by. It's separating you. And you could say it like this. Offense puts up a fence between you and your destiny.
Offense puts up a fence between you and your destination. God has things he wants you to accomplish in this life, and you're putting up fences and blocking yourself off from every avenue that he's trying to, every road he's trying to get you down, you're putting up fences all along the way. You're battling against flesh and blood, and he says we don't fight, we don't war against flesh and blood. You're falling for the trap and putting up fences, and it's blocking you off. walled off everyone who ever hurt you. Offense isolates you. <laughs> Uncle Thad came to your Thanksgiving dinner a few years back and he mentioned that your turkey was a little dry. <laughs> I'm not inviting them next year. Now you ain't invited Uncle Thad for three or four years now because you were offended by one little comment. But what does that cost you? You ain't seen out Thelma neither. All your cousins who were your friends, you ain't seen them in four years. You've just walled off and fenced off a whole part of your family. Some of you don't even go to family functions anymore, holidays or not. You're offended by something that happened back in 1994. And you've walled yourself off from your very own flesh and blood. And what is that? It's offense that you've taken in and put a wall around your heart. It seemed like it would be better just to put up a fence. It'd be easier than to deal with people. Maybe. But God says, scroll on. Thank you. That was real good. I didn't even tell you to say it that time. Me and Angie put a poll in uh, about 10 years ago, I guess. And we didn't have room in the backyard. We got a small backyard, but we had a little side yard. It was big enough to put a, a pool. So we put a pool in. It already had a fence down the side, but it didn't have one in the front. And I always liked the view from the side because you could see down into the cove. You could see who's coming in and see the front yard. And we could live up kind of like on a little hill, and you could see over the housetops on down. It's kind of a spacious view. It made you feel, you know how it makes you feel to see space, to be, not be enclosed. And so we were thinking about, you know, we, we need to put, you have to put a fence around your pool. So we were just going to get a wooden fence. But I said, that's going to be like being in a box. So we decided to get a metal fence, you know, with just little thin slats. You could see completely through it. It cost us more. We had to get a new guy to do it. He charged us more money than a wooden fence or whatever. And we were worried, was it going to be worth the investment? And it was. We can, we can be down in our pool. We can see we're not boxed in. It, it made all the difference in the world. It's sometimes it's hard on the front end. It's really hard on the front end not to receive a fence. Not to put up a fence. But it's worth it. 
2 Timothy 2.24 says, A servant of the Lord. Got any of them in here? Amen. Must not quarrel, but be kind to everyone. You, you don't think the Lord knows that within that everyone statement, there includes a lot of Uncle Thad's? Be able to teach, and, and this, is the, this is the difficult part, and be patient with difficult people. <laughs> you want me to scroll on now? <laughs> but look, offense is a terrible look on a Christian. It's terrible. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't fit in. For someone who's serving the Lord, who's been forgiven so much. How would it look if Jesus said, I'm not dealing with them Romans anymore? He hadn't been to Italy since the crucifixion. Those Jews yelled, crucify me, I'm not going over there. He's just left them to their own. What if... What if when you did that thing you promised you wouldn't do to God the 974th time this week, he got offended and said, that's it, you're on your own down here. But Jesus showed us a better way. As soon as they hung him up there, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And he refused to be offended. Just like Brother Tom. You can say no to offense. I wonder how many people are supposed to be in this church today. Are other churches in America or around the world that stopped going because somebody in the church offended them? Some new program made them mad the pastor said something the pastor's talking non-stop he's eventually going to say something you don't agree with okay <laughs> that's why our church is so small <laughs> but they've fenced themselves off from the very plan of God for their life done irreparable harm to their family to their children they've taken their children out of church because maybe somebody in the church said something like they expect everybody in the church to be perfect jesus said in the end times in matthew 24 10 many will be offended and betray one another and will hate one another that's terrible. Shouldn't happen in the church. Offense is the devil's, probably one of his most effective baits. He's been using it since the dawn of time, and we're still being reeled in by it. I preach messages on offense two or three times a year, and God still has me preach on offense. I wrote this, it brings the division that define the, the it brings the division that defines your defeat.
You say, it's hard, though. I mean, if they say something to me, that's like I, I want to snap back. It hurts me. It makes me feel good to get angry. Comes like a, a fragrant foul. No, what do you call it? A flagrant foul in the NFL. You know, hit, helmet to helmet. <clears throat> hit me. Man, they ought to do 15 yards. They ought to kick that guy out of the, out of the game. You want something bad to happen to them. You want them to be ejected. But a Christian should learn to take the hits and keep moving forward. Who said that? Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Rocky said, that's how winning's done. You take the hits, but you keep moving forward. When his son was offended at his dad, he said, that's what's holding you back, son. That's why you're not happy with your life. You're walled off from your destiny. Try being pastor for a week. I mean, just being pastor makes many people hate you, be offended at you, then say things from the pulpit where everybody's scrutinizing your every word and they're hearing it out of their own past hurts and failures and, and then they're getting, boy, they're offended. It's like I sometimes I feel like I got to put out fires all day Monday. <laughs> and what what is really hurtful is when when people leave the church and they don't like you anymore. And, and I can promise you this, and I want you to hear my heart. Me and Angie have been pastoring for six years, and I know of not one instance where we've done anything to hurt anybody else. All we've done is pray for you and love you and try to tell you the truth. So you learn to forgive. You couldn't sit in this office without learning to forgive and to pray Pray that you don't get offended. Let it go over and over. Love people when you, and talk to people and, and love on them while you can see the wheels turning behind their eyes how much they despise you. I'm just telling you the truth. And so you seek humility and you learn to scroll on. And I've preached a whole series on being the bigger person in the room. Have you ever had one of your children just get so angry and they looked at you and say, I hate you, mama. You're ruining my life. I hate you, dad. Now, what would it look like if, if the dad turned around and says, I hate you too. You can get out of here. No, you can't do that. Well, you shouldn't do that. 
I hate all the times I did that. No, just. <laughs> you got to be the bigger person. Why? Because you, you're the bigger person on the inside. You take the hits. And you say, look, I, I know the way you're feeling right now, but I love you. And I've made this decision for your own good. Help, let me help you explain why. Let me help you see why. You got to be the bigger person. As a Christian, you just cannot go around being a dartboard for every fiery dart. You just can't suck it all up and still walk in the love of God. You have to put up the shield of faith and block all that offense. Matthew eighteen fifteen says, if another believer sins against you, and that's going to happen, that's telling you right there, believers ain't perfect. They'll sin against you. There's going to be every opportunity to be offended even in your church. Then go privately and point out the offense. In other words, let's communicate here. Instead of uh, offense shuts the, shuts the line of communication off. And then you're, the devil's here to divide and conquer, right? If he can get you to stop talking, he's won the battle. But God says, go privately and let's talk about this. Say, this is what, this is what you said that was a, could be offensive to me, but let's talk it out. If the other person listens and confesses it, then you've won that person back. It goes on to say that what do you do if they don't confess it? What if they, what if they say, I, don't, I still believe that way. I still think you suck. <laughs> you say, okay. Well, you go to get a couple of friends that witnessed it or whatever. You tell them, and you go back with some friends, and you talk to that person and try to reason with them and let them see other people's point of view. You don't go put it on Facebook now, you understand? You're not advertising for somebody to come help me show this person he's wrong. You're privately trying to cover, love covers. You're trying to cover this situation in love, but you're bringing somebody to say, let us reason together. If that doesn't work, it says take them to the elders of the church. Maybe go to the pastor and say, look, we've got this beef, and we really don't want there to be strife in our church. We don't want there to be strife in our life. This is what's happening. Can you help us work this out? And then if they still won't listen, well, they got a problem at that point. If there's no solution, somebody's wrong, in the wrong, okay? And then, you know, you've done all that you could. Remember, do all that you can to live peaceably. And then if you have to, you know, step back and, you know, give that person space or whatever. But Melissa Tomino says offense cannot coexist with love. You can't have both. Which one do you choose? Over here's love where there's life and peace and joy. Or you can be offended, and you can have that, that satisfaction of you getting them back. Revenge, darkness, bad thoughts, vile in your throat, about to come up into your mouth, you're so mad. Oh, that seems attractive, doesn't it? It's really not. It's really not, and it's your choice. She said love is patient. Love is kind. 
It's not easily angered. This is coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? It keeps no record of wrongs. Do you have a list? Scroll on. And love always protects. The lie about offense is this. That if you accept this offense, it will vindicate you somehow. And it will punish the offender. Make you feel good. Everybody will see that they're wrong. I'll tell everybody what they did to me. We'll all point them out. I'll vindicate myself so everybody will know that I was right. And then it'll punish them. Well, it's not your job to punish anybody, but it's your children, maybe. No, you discipline, you don't punish them. That's the lie that it'll make you feel better, it'll vindicate you, and it'll punish them. But the truth is that accepting offense alienates you and punishes you for their offense. You're the one missing out because you've walled yourself off from another group of people. Have you seen old people that have done this their whole life? They have nowhere to turn. They're not talking to anybody anymore. It, this is serious. This is serious. I'm trying to really help you today. I think God really trying to help you today just like Tom said you can refuse to be offended because it's coming it's coming it's coming every day we can be offended about the outcome of an election we could be offended about politics that what's going on in society what the, what the devil's doing or we can just trust God and move on in a happy way you choose I could put the hands out for you all day long but love is always the answer and love covers and protects and doesn't get offended. Proverbs 10, 12 says, Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses. Do you want to love or do you want to hate? The first man born to a woman began to hate his brother. He was offended that God had accepted Abel's sacrifice and not accepted his own. So he was, Cain was not only upset at Abel and offended by his brother, he was offended by God. Oh, should we stop there? How many of you have been offended by God? God didn't Agree with your lifestyle. God didn't accept your sacrifice. God didn't give you the thing that you thought you needed. God took someone out of your life. And you, there's a million things to be offended about God. And we're blaming him for everything the devil does too. It's the devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he's good at, at getting you to deflect your anger at God. Can we just trust 
that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, no matter what happens to me, I still love God, I still believe God, and not blame God for everything, be offended, you can be offended at God. And you know what God told Cain? He said, Cain, you better watch yourself because sin is crouching at your door. But Cain didn't listen. And that offense turned to hatred, and hatred turned to murder. And Jesus says, if you hate somebody in your heart, it's like murdering them in the spirit. Are you a murderer? Offense is a sin crouching at your door. It's a bait pulling you in. Scroll on! I had a meeting in my office couple nights ago a couple of people I had three ladies in there leaders in the church we were discussing uh, a new way forward a new project or something and uh, there was disagreement in the room why because these are leaders and they got ideas and they feel strongly and they're passionate about the things of God and so there was disagreement over some points in this leadership meeting. And you know, as pastor, I looked at that, and I didn't say, oh, no, they're going to get offended at each other. There's going to be a war. They're going to hate. They're gonna, there's going to be division. I didn't feel like that at all because I knew these people. They're mature. They're the bigger person in the room. They're the adults. And they understand that healthy conflict is iron sharpening iron. And they understand that they're not always right. They can voice their opinion and not be have hurt feelings when that, their, their opinion is not accepted. And I said, this is how church is supposed to work. Some churches have pastors that won't yes people around them. Tell them whatever they say. Well, that's a small pastor. I want strong leaders. Who, have, who really know what God is telling them and have the humility to see sparks fly and walk out of the room hugging and loving on one another and appreciating one another. That was wonderful. Man, I always talk about the, the tough part of being a pastor, but there's so many rewards when you see people loving one another. So there I was. Okay, I'm in the back seat of this car. And they've got this silly idea that they're going to give me a second-hand high. They've rolled up the windows and they're blowing smoke in my face. And I've never smoked marijuana in my entire life. I've never been high. And they're blowing it in my face thinking it's funny. Do you know what I did? I scrolled the window down. I scrolled it on down, and I stuck my face out into the fresh air. Said, y'all can do all that smoke if you want to. I want the fresh air. I refused the bait. Don't fence yourself in. Don't be a stubborn monkey. <laughs> Don't get whopped in the head. Walk in love. Be the bigger person. 
And if you're in here today, I'm just throwing this out. Maybe you're on the live stream, wherever you're at. If you've been offended, today, God's saying, let it go. You'll be so free. It'll, like, it'll be like a breath of fresh air. <sighs> You'll be so free. Walls will come down in your life. New directions will be opened up unto you. You'll be able to walk into your destiny. And the things that's held you bound. Your vision will open up. You'll be able to see all the way down into the cove and beyond. Can you let it go? I know you've had that, your fist is almost, it's almost like you had to pry it open. You've been holding on for so long. Are you mad at me? I'm sorry. I promise you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not holding it against you if you're offended at me. I love you. I want us to get along. Angie loves you. We want to get along with everybody. Don't be offended. Please, let it go. And watch and see, don't those doors begin to open back up for you. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.